So good to be together in the house of the Lord, worshiping together in this place. We're going to turn our attention to God's Word now. So if you have your Bible, which I hope you do, you can open up to Psalm chapter 23, the 23rd Psalm. Uh, if you need a Bible to use this morning, you can find one underneath one of the seats in front of you. If you don't own a Bible, I like to say that that is our gift to you, so you're not stealing it. We're giving it to you, so you can take that home uh, with you. But I'd love for you to have a copy of God's Word in your lap and uh, seeing uh, it this morning uh, uh, for yourself. Um, as, we, as you're turning there, um, uh, um, thankful for uh, Zach kind of letting us know a couple things that are coming up, like tonight's ministry summit and then that week of prayer. Man, um, uh, he's right. Last year was um, just a really special time as a church from sunup to sundown, kind of praying. So I just encourage you. Uh, there are 80 slots throughout the week. So um, I think it starts, I think it's five or six in the morning through, I think, nine o'clock at night. And um, if you could sign up for an hour, we'd love to think and know that, that there's somebody in our church praying around the clock. Now, if the slots fill up, um, you can uh, certainly still pray, and, and, uh, and, 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 and that's great. Like, we'd love that. If you really want to sign up for more, kind of do more, we're not um, limiting you to one, but, but we're just try- we want to take that week and really emphasize uh, prayer. But two other things that I wanted to um, just kind of put on our radars, um, again, before we get into God's Word that I, I think are pretty special and in, in, in coming up. Uh, the first is um, that on September 11th, that's uh, two weeks from now, the Sunday after uh, Labor Day, that is our fall launch Sunday. Um, that's always been for us um, a... Uh, just a special uh, Sunday uh, together, and um, it's when we kind of kick off our, our, our fall ministry um, uh, season, and our small groups are returning, kind of their re- regular scheduled program like that week, and, and uh, we um, will be kicking off a brand new sermon series. So we're going to be wrapping up um, uh, the 23rd Psalm, and then that week we will be starting into uh, the book of James. And um, it's the first time as our, as our church, kind of walking through the book of James together. My guess is if you've been around church for any length of time, or if you've um, uh, been walking with the Lord, you've studied the book of James before, um, but I'm really excited to look at it now in this season and uh, for our church. Uh, one of the things I always like to say is um, certainly you may have encountered some of those truths before, but you've never looked at the book of James in this season of life with this set of responsibilities, right, with this uh, set of privileges that you have or this set of difficulties that you're kind of just trying to sort through. And so that's what I love about the Word of God is you can return to it time and time again and old truths can be applied in new ways and new seasons of life. And so I think it's going to be a really timely, helpful book for us in the life of our church in this season. And it was intentional. Um, James is, for those of you that like to kind of get after it, uh, James is one of those books that is a call to action. And if we're going to be active, if we're going to be going after it, we've got to have some um, full uh, souls, some, some um, uh, I think, encouragement and, and wind in the sails. And so um, that's why we've been spending this time just being reminded of, of who we are in Christ and who he is and the way that he's made himself known to us. And then we want to engage with that together. So anyways, be there on September 11th as we um, start. If you have somebody that you've been trying to bring along with you or a friend or neighbor that you um, think would just be best blessed or benefited from that, that would be a great Sunday. Um, they can start right with us and not feel like they're jumping into something um, midstream. I mean, anytime, you know, we try and kind of catch up. But 
Uh, that would be a great Sunday uh, to be there as well. Um, some of you have asked, yes, we will have some James um, books for you to kind of follow along with. We, uh, as a church, we've kind of grown to really love those. So we have those and ready to go and um, excited to get into that. In addition, we are going to have um, just a time of fellowship after each service. And so there's some apple cider treats that we'll have available. Um, if you were here last year, those were not to be missed. And so um, we're excited about that. And then the other thing is on uh, September 25th, uh, so the last Sunday of uh, September, that is, um, unbelievably, our fifth birthday as a church, all right? It's our fifth anniversary. Um, yeah, it's crazy. Um, uh, some of you remember back in the day when we were kind of praying that God would launch a church here. Some of you remember back in the day when we had trailers and we were setting up and tearing down and we were in Memor Memorial um, High School. And some of you remember the move here and just the different things. Uh, I'll be honest, for me, it feels like it has been gone by in a flash. And then it also feels like it's been 15 years all at the same time. Okay. So um, anyways, we are celebrating five years of God's faithfulness to us. And we want to um, just really uh, celebrate together as a church that day. So here's how we're going to do it. Uh, that day, we are going to have one service. We're going to be, um, there's no way we can fit inside um, with one service at that time. So we're going to be outside that day, 10 o'clock. We're going to have a special service all together, whole church family, one place. Um, we've done some outdoor services before, always a great time. Um, so we'd love to have you there. You can start praying now for good weather. Okay. We don't have much of a backup plan. So we're just kind of, <laughs> we're just going all in. All right. So um, uh, we, we uh, know the, the one who controls the weather patterns. And so um, we trust that he can do that, and if not, he's going to give us some creativity and how to kind of accommodate that, but um, uh, we're going to be outside that day, and then to follow, follow the service, we're going to have, we love doing a fall block party, so we're kind of combining everything all together. So we're going to have a lunch, um, and so we'll just fellowship and eat together, and then there's going to be inflatables, games, all sorts of fun, um, kind of pulling out all the stops for, for the fifth anniversary and just kind of enjoying. And part of that is we're going to invite the community to, to come and, and be a part of it. Again, that's a great Sunday um, to invite um, people to join us. There's no shortage of space, um, and so really looking forward to that Sunday uh, together. Um, uh, I'm guessing we're going to have to kind of park pretty far away that day, but we'll, we'll figure it out. So um, we <laughs> cannot wait. It's, it's, uh, it's, it's going to be fun. You know, as we speak about uh, rejoicing and celebrating, that actually leads really well into where we're going um, this morning. Uh, one of the things that we like to do together as a church is we, we often will mark times of celebration with food. So as we kind of look at Psalm 23 uh, this morning, this is kind of the picture that we have, is uh, this, this celebration through uh, feasting. And I would say it's not just something that we as a church do, um, that's something that we as people do. Uh, we enjoy celebrating and kind of marking times of um, uh, special times, times of, of honor or, or rejoicing with um, special meals or special food. And to the people of God, uh, that was something that not only did they do, but God instructed them to do. Uh, there were several feasts that they were told to do throughout the year. And when they would feast, it wasn't just one meal or one kind of time. It was... Um it would last for days, and it would be the, the finest food and the best drink and, and all of the, you know, the ways that they would kind of celebrate together and just rejoice in who they were in their God, Yahweh, and, and, and all that he had done and his faithfulness, and, and it was just very much tied up in this rejoicing and celebrating. Um, I don't know how it is in your house, but um, growing up, that was certainly what we would do. We would celebrate with food. 
Um, and so I, I'm guessing you kind of probably fall in one of two categories. Um, our family, if it was on the spectrum of uh, quality versus quantity, my family, um, so just so you know, to kind of set the stage, I'm the oldest of five boys. Um, so I have four brothers and then I have one sister, okay? So with five brothers, if it was quantity versus quality, or sorry, quality versus quantity, we were all about the quality camp or quantity camp. All right, the more the better, okay? So I would sacrifice a little bit of quality for the quantity. And so um, all you could eat buffets, that kind of thing, that was like our jam. We were all in on that. We would go and it, was, it became like a competition, like how much could we do? And so anytime there's something special, it was all about the food, how we celebrating, you know, um, holidays, birthdays, uh, you know, we would just make up reasons to sort of celebrate uh, together. Well, then I met Bree, and we got married, and you know, as our kind of families and this kind of tradition started to blend together, um, started celebrating and, and hanging out with, with her family, I realized that they too enjoyed food. But the thing that was great about them is I learned that you don't have to choose between quality and quantity. They're just like, well, let's do both. So they would make tons of really great food. And I was like, I can get down with this, okay? So, so it was all about the quality, but there was like just plenty to go around. And, and, and that is how we have celebrated, and that's something we've adopted in ours. So I'll tell you, I mean, we have certain meals, and maybe you do too, certain meals that we make for certain holidays. And that's like the only time that we ever eat that is, is for that, that particular meal. Or when a birthday rolls around, it's like we have a specific kind of order or things that we do to kind of mark it with, uh, with that way. Um, I wasn't aware that there were seasonal meals. I've learned that in marriage. Um, sometimes I'll be like, hey, I would really could go for this. And my wife will inform me. She says, um, well, that's, that's like a summer meal. I'm like, well, I, I don't understand. Like, <laughs> why, we can just eat that now. Like, that's, you know, so I, I, I'm, I'm kind of all about, like, anything all, all the time. But, 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 you know, we have certain things that we do at certain times. I, said, I say all that to kind of set up where we're going this morning. We've been in Psalm 23, and the metaphor, the picture that we've been given of our Lord is one of shepherd, and the relationship has been one of us as sheep with him as our shepherd. Well, this morning, the metaphor shifts a little bit, and it actually kind of goes in a different direction. Verses 5 and 6, there's a bit of a turn, and there's a new metaphor, sort of a new picture that's introduced here. And it is one of this, it's a table of feasting. And so this morning, the sermon title is The Table. We're looking at the table that the Lord prepares for those that are his. And there is this, this picture of feasting and celebration that we're going to see here in the scripture uh, this morning. And uh, it is this, if, 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 if there's one kind of... Um, thing that we're going to see is, is around this feast and this table, it's kind of unpacking, what does this mean for us? Like, why, why did it have to shift with this? And I would just set it up and sort of say this, that, that I think it's a good question to ask, like, why? Why are we leaving the sheep metaphor, and now we're talking about a table? I would say it's because the picture of God as our shepherd can only go so far in our understanding of God. There's a different dimension to his care for us. There's another uh, layer to his character and his relationship with us that, that needs to be fleshed out in a different way. And so for us, we're going to see it is this picture of host and preparing this table and this feast. 
As we've done each week in this series, I want to read through the psalm in its entirety. It's only six verses. You can follow along. We'll put it on the screen. It says this, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. In the verse we're looking at this morning, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord uh, forever. Uh, We're going to unpack what this table means for us uh, this morning. And... uh, there's kind of one primary point that I would sort of emphasize and that we're going to be kind of driving after this morning. I'll give it to you if you um, are taking notes and want to write this down. You might want to jot this. It's this, is that the Lord, Yahweh, has prepared a feast and you are invited as the guest of honor. There's a feast of celebration and rejoicing of, of, of relationship that has been prepared by God and he's invited you as an honored guest. This picture is going to help us as we add this to what we've already seen with God as shepherd. This picture of God as the host of this feast is going to help us understand more about the character of God, some things that we need to remember and understand and apply to our understanding of of who God is. That's where we're going this morning. Let me just pray that God would teach us as we um, walk through and, and unpack this together. God, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the revelation that you have given us about yourself. God, you've given us this passage among others that we might understand and know you better. God, that we might relate to you more fully. And God, um, understand, Lord, what what you are doing uh, in, in the days of our life. And God, where you're taking us and where you're guiding us. And so, God, I pray that this morning would be um, uh, like the others, that we would see more of who you are. God, give us a greater understanding, a greater depth of your character. Lord, I ask that you would um, use your word, that your spirit would press into us, God, the truth that you would have for us this morning, the word that we need to hear from you. We ask this in the name of your son, Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. So this picture of table is what we're looking at this morning. We're camping right there on verse 5. We said we're not walking quickly through it or driving by. We are kind of living in this passage for uh, these weeks. So verse 5, we see this table, kind of four things that I think this table shows for us. The first is this. The, sta- the table displays abundance. It's a display of abundance. It's the, the picture that we have is a spread uh, for feasting. So let's look at this together. Where do we see this abundance Verse 5, it says, you prepare a table before me. Um, So it would be a mistake for us to, as we kind of picture this table, let's get a picture of the table in our minds. Do you have one? Can you picture um, sort of the the table uh, that you have? Um, If this is what you're picturing uh, in your mind right now, um, you're kind of missing the the emphasis of the text. Some of you, you're like, that looks fantastic. I would go for that cappuccino. I'm down with croissants. Like, um, you know, that's all all I kind of need. Maybe that was your breakfast this morning. Um, But this is not the picture of the table that is being communicated in the text. So just so we're kind of on the same page, I would uh, submit that that what he's talking about, what David is, is saying here is more like this uh, second picture here. Uh, this is uh, more of the picture of the table that we're talking about. And some of you guys that are in the kind of 
same camp as me and, and enjoy food are like, amen, all right? That is, that's what I'm talking about. That, that's the table uh, of, of the Lord. And so the picture of what we're kind of getting after here is one of abundance. It's this idea of abundance. Where do we get this understanding from this verse? Well, first, we look at the very word table. Uh, table was often used as a sort of symbol or representative for what was placed on the table. So obviously, it's not just about the table. It's about the food and what fills it. And uh, coming from a culture of banquets and feasting and, and, and the celebratory um, seasons, that that is kind of the understanding. David is speaking into this culture. And so that would have been the, uh, the understood metaphor here is one of abundance of, of, of overflowing. You certainly get that when you kind of look at the bookend of the verse, when you look down, scan your eyes to the last part of the verse where it says, my cup overflows, all right? So the best way I would say to this is um, my family has loved the opening of the Verona uh, Costco. Uh, we are big fans, family of seven. So Costco is like kind of where we just do our regular shopping. <laughs> and, um, you know, so uh, that is, um, it was really awkward when everything kind of shut down and they were really limiting what we had to get. And we're like, this is, we're not hoarding or stocking up. We're just like buying groceries for the week. Like this is, this is how it goes in our house. And so um, I thought a house of boys could eat. Man, my house of girls is all, all about it. But when we go to Costco, if you want to hang out with us, you can probably find us at Costco. And, um, you know, if you've ever had some of those samples, it's like, man, that's not enough. And that's the whole point, right? They're, 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 not, they're not meant to. We call it um, like the little Costco tapas is, um, is kind of what we do. We go around and, and just kind of, you know, try and take as many as we uh, can get. But you, you get that little sample, that little cup or whatever it is, and you're like, I need more of that, right? This is not the Lord's table. It says, my cup overflows, and so it is a chalice. It is overflowing with the drink that God is providing. And so this is the picture of abundance. So the, ta- the word itself, table, the, the picture of the cup overflowing, that, and then when we combine it with what, some of the other passages that we see throughout Scripture, one that we've gone to many times through this series, John 10, 10, and 11, it says this, the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. I came that they might have life and have it what? abundantly, abundantly. That's an important word. Jesus said, I have come that I may, they may have life and have it abundantly. And so he's bringing the abundant life. He says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. And so when Jesus is providing, it's an, out of abundance and this abundant life in, in that. I would also add to that, and one of my favorite verses, Ephesians 1, 7 and 8, which says, in him we have the redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace, which he, love this word, lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight. So if you kind of bring all of this together and you look at the table, it is this picture of lavishing which is happening, all right? And this is a good spot for us to begin and kind of understand. When the Lord sets a table, when he's preparing a table, it's not just the bare, bare like, kind of essentials that he's giving us. Right? It's not just a couple pieces of bread that are going to hold you over to the next meal. It's not just like a, a granola bar that, that you know, he kind of happened to pull out of the, out of the cupboard. Like this, is, this is with intentionality. This is with um, special uh, kind of favor being given. This is, there's an abundance here that he is preparing. This is so important that we understand the way that our God blesses and works. He's talking about life and life abundantly. 
How quickly we take this to the physical expression, we think that that then means that that's about physical stuff or, or um, uh, health and uh, physical enjoyment or, or things like that. He's talking about something so much more than that. It can include that, but it is not limited to that. It is more about all of his blessings, spiritually, emotionally, eternally, relationally. And so he is pulling out all of the stops. I want you to think for a second, kind of keeping in this theme of celebration, in your home, what are the times that you celebrate? What are the times that you feast? Do you feast? Hopefully you feast. Now that looks different. I remember feasting when I was in college was like getting a frozen pizza and then putting extra toppings on it from the fridge, like whatever I could scrounge up. So I'm not talking, like it doesn't have to be expensive. I'm just talking about like there's a special meal and that might look different, but do you ever... Do you ever stop? Do you ever celebrate? What, what is that for? I'm guessing your home is probably like mine. It's often for probably holidays, maybe birthdays. Maybe there's an anniversary or a special important date, maybe a graduation, certainly a wedding. I'm guessing you had one of the biggest celebrations you've had in your life. If you've been married, there's usually a large meal or some sort of kind of dancing, celebrating that kind of accompanies or goes with that right? The times that we go all out is when it's a special occasion and when somebody that we really care about is coming over. Maybe if you've got family in town that you don't get to see very often, or um, maybe your boss is, is, uh, is coming over for, uh, for dinner, or um, you're having um, just someone who you just care about, you want to make sure that they know and understand, like you just, you kind of go over the top a little bit extra uh, for some of that. So what's the occasion? Like, why would, why would our Lord prepare a table for us like this? What is he doing? Well, I think one of the other places we've gone in this passage is, is the story in uh, Luke 15 of the prodigal son. And, uh, you know, just to catch us up in case you are unfamiliar, the story of the prodigal son is a story Jesus told of two brothers. One of them, the younger, asked for his father's inheritance early. He went away, squandered it like spend it on, on, on drunkenness and just kind of the pleasures of the world, whatever he could find. And he ends up in a spot where he had spent everything that he had been given and he was kind of eating scraps for food and he had this thought. He's like, man, my dad is a rich guy. Even his servants are eating better than me. What am I doing here? I should go home. And so he makes the journey home and his dad kind of scanning the horizon sees the sun coming what does he do? He stops, he runs to him, he embraces him. It says he takes his ring and puts it on and puts his cloak on him and he declares, he's like, my son who was lost is now home. And he's like, kill the fattened calf, like break out the finest drink, like gather everyone together. We are in this place. We are gonna celebrate tonight. And it says that the, 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 the rejoicing, the celebration, the dancing could be heard in the fields. We know this because the older brother was like, what is that? What's, I didn't know there was a party tonight. What's going on? He's like, your, your younger brother has come home. Your dad's throwing a party. See, what a picture. The father, upon receiving the son, which he thought was lost, is celebrating and rejoicing, and there is much feasting as a result of that, this abundance because of his care, his concern, his relationship for his son and for this restored position, this togetherness that we see. 
And so again, we've been walking through, we see that the Lord has been leading us in green pastures. He's been uh, guiding us on these paths of righteousness. He's been with us as the great comforter in the valley. And now, kind of coming out of the valley, there is this table which he is preparing. It's a picture of his abundance for us. I just want to um, kind of pause and ask you this. Is that how you picture God's working and blessing in your life? Do you see it as a coming from a place of abundance or does it feel at times like it's meager and he's kind of stringing you along? Now, I'm not saying that every season, every, every period of time is, is a time of rejoicing or a time of, of, uh, of, of feasting. Right? But there are seasons, there are times when we can enjoy the good things that God has given us. We're gonna unpack more what that means. I'm not talking about physical things here. I'm talking about the intangible things which the Lord offers us. One of the other things that I'd love for us to see is that if some of you, you're in the place that we just looked at last week, you're in the valley, and you're like, when does this valley end? The hope that Psalm 23 gives us is there are seasons of valley, but it's not all valley. Sometimes there's seasons of feasting in the table. Right? So God is guiding and he's working in all of that. And so here you have coming out of the table, he's preparing this place of abundance for those that are his. His sheep, his flock, his sons, his daughters. This is the picture that we have. So kind of continuing and unpacking, understanding what the table displays for us. Here's the second thing. The table displays God's protection. Uh, phrased another way, I would say it's a reminder of God's security. Right? We just saw God's security last week. It says, you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. He's using that to both defend and to guide us as the great comforter. But notice what he says here in this passage. He says, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Now, I've got to be honest, growing up as a kid, I love thinking about the way that I remember these verses as a kid. You, I don't know if you have that too, but... Um, I've been following the Lord for a long time, studying the scriptures for a long time. And so I have these like memories of, of reading some of this stuff and, and thinking about it. And the way that I saw this when I was a kid was it seemed like it was kind of boastful or almost kind of like gloating, almost like God and, and like he's preparing this table and then all these enemies are around. He's like, nah, 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 look what we, you know, like kind of like that sort of idea. And I was like, they're always conflicted. Like, I was like, kind of felt conflicted as a child because I'm like, that seems the opposite. Like, my mom told me not to do that, right? And it seems like, is God kind of doing that here? Like, what's he, what's he going after? What's, what's happening? I can encourage you with, that's, that's not the idea, okay? It's not the na 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 look at this. Rather, it's in the presence of his enemies to show us a couple of things about God. The first and kind of most important is his protection, his security over us. You see, the enemies in this passage represent a couple of things. They represent both the adversities that life throws at us. So not physical people, not things, but, but rather situations or challenges or whatever it might be. I think that's included in that understanding of enemies. But it does also actually include actual enemies, so the enemies, there might, we might have enemies. There might be some people that are sort of just out for us, right? Some people that are seeking to kind of harm us or, or hurt us or take us down. There is the enemy, the spiritual enemy that, 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 that has his army. And so we have certainly uh, spiritual enemies in this as well. All of that is included. And, and what this passage is saying is that their presence, the presence of enemies does not overthrow the plans and purposes of God. 
How encouraging is that? Because they're our enemies, they are not against or not able to overcome what our God is seeking to do. Said another way, that the enemies of God are powerless to prevent the enjoyment of God's gracious, generous hospitality by his chosen ones. Because there are enemies, it does not mean that God cannot bless. And I just want us to be encouraged by this truth this morning, because I think some of us think that we, everything has to be cleared out, right? All the adversities, all the enemies, everybody has to be kind of cleared out for God to be blessed. And he's like, no, 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 I can do it right in the midst of this. I can prepare a table for you. There can be refreshment and relationship and blessing and nourishment in the midst of the enemies. They are not stronger than me, is what this passage is saying. God is declaring that he is able to do it. And furthermore, the other thing that is so powerful about this is he is, even before your enemies, showing his love and vindication for you. The table prepared in the presence of enemies is declaring to all who would look on, he is mine. She is mine. That is what God is saying. And let's then apply this then to the heart of God. God is not about, look at, look on the outside looking in. What is God about? God's about inviting into it. And so I think the hope is, or sort of one of the uh, applications would be that as God takes care of his own, as there is nourishment, as there is blessing, that those looking on would say, what is it about her? How is she able to navigate this season of life? I don't, I, don't, I don't get her. I don't, I don't know if I even like her, but man, I kind of want what she has. Right? That's kind of the sense that's going on. God is showing his care and concern for his own that all would be able to see. Specifically, I mean, David, David knew this in a real way. Right? He was being pursued by actual physical enemies seeking his life. And yet, what did God do? God showed him time and time again his favor, his blessing, his protection. This is coming out of very real parts of David's life. I mean, he remembers times when his life was being sought, and yet, in the midst of that, he was able to meet with God, and God gave him exactly what he needed. And so the table for us is a display of God's protection over our life. God is protecting you. Again, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy The thief comes to steal all that God has given. He comes to kill all who would seek after the Lord, and he comes to destroy anything that would point to the goodness and graciousness of God. But Jesus said, I came that they might have life and have it abundantly. And so his protection, even in the midst of the thief's attack, an active work against the work of the Lord, God is actively working and in, in, in preparing the table right there in the presence of the enemies. The passage continues. He says, you anoint my head with oil. What does that mean? Well, I think we could say it this way. The table displays blessing. This is a picture of blessing. It's a display of honor. And I love this picture. Again, to us, this maybe seems a bit foreign. We don't anoint our head with oil um, in, in, in sort of the same way. Uh, so maybe some, a bit of um, kind of cultural understanding would, would help us with this, but the oil uh, would have most likely been an olive oil mixed with some perfumes. So it would have sort of hung on the hair, sort of lingered for a while. It would have smelled good. 
It would have um, you know, been, been sort of visible. Like I think you would be able to tell if somebody had been anointed uh, with oil. And this was used in several places. It's actually sort of fitting that it comes right after this mention of the valley because oftentimes people walking through a valley, maybe losing a loved one, would put on sackcloth and ashes. And this was a symbol to anyone who would look that they were in a place of mourning Well, in trying to move out of that and toward a posture of of gladness and kind of moving toward um, kind of restoring their position, uh, people would often sort of take off the ash cloth and then as a symbol of kind of moving from that, they would anoint their own heads with oil. And so kind of coming out of the valley, that's kind of one of the uh, pictures that would happen. But it doesn't say that they're anointing, that I'm anointing myself, right? What does it say? It says, you, you anoint my head with oil. So this is a work of the Lord. This is a work of Yahweh. Yahweh is anointing the oil. Well, that put in context of the table, that gives us a very good picture of what this means. So it's not me anointing, it's him. What would happen for feasts, for celebrations, is when the guest of honor would arrive to the celebration, the host would sort of make a deal about that. And the host would honor the guest of honor by pouring an anointing oil over that guest's head. So what does this mean for us? What it's saying is God is putting us, he's putting you in the place of honor at this feast, at this celebration, and he is saying, you are my guest of honor. What an incredible place. Who, who are we? <laughs> who are we, right, that God would say that, yet he's, he's giving this, this picture of this symbol of honor, kind of going back to the celebrations that, that we have in our house. Maybe you do something similar. We, we do this we, when there's a guest of honor, like for a birthday, all right? When it's like birthday boy, birthday girl's day, it is like kind of an all-day affair. And in our house, they get the head of the table. There's usually streamers kind of tied around their, their chair. There's balloons kind of coming off. Um, uh, we we uh, just, I don't know if I should be admitting this, we do a lot more paper plates than probably, you know, um, we, we, we should, but we just, you know, we're kind of on the go. We need to go. Uh, we could talk, and if you're like team paper plate, we can, um, you know, meet up later. But for us, it's like, no, not paper plates. Like you get the special plate, right? There's like um, all, all, about, uh, all about that. So there's, there's honor shown to the birthday, uh, birthday boy, birthday girl, And then on top of that, we'll go around the table, and one of our traditions is we will share things that we appreciate, admire, respect, love about that person. And so there is a time when when we are all kind of pouring it on for this guest of honor. That is the picture here, is that you are marched to the head of the table. There is um, uh, honor that is being given. It is um, undeserved blessing that is being poured out. And the reality is this, the word of God says to those that are his, to those who respond to this invitation, he has adopted you as his son, as his daughter. And so the same honor, the same blessing that is shown, like we said in Luke 15, that is God showing that to you. And if I could, I think maybe some of us, I'm guessing not all of us, but I I know for a fact there's probably some of us that need to maybe correct some understanding about God uh, today. I think some of you walked in with this understanding that God is at times embarrassed by you. Or maybe this, that that God just kind of tolerates you sometimes. I don't think we often say it that way, but if we're honest, I think that's kind of what we think. 
Some of us, maybe we think this, that God's waiting for us to get our act together. And then once we do, he will claim us as his own. I'm just telling you this right now. This is what the word of God says. It says that he anoints your head with oil. God does not tolerate you. He's not waiting for you to get your act together before he will declare you as his own. He loves you. He's crazy about you. He is for you. Why? Well, first, he made you. Second, he loved you so much that he gave his son up for you. It says in scripture, if he's not willing to spare his own son, then what else would he not spare for you? You have but to look to the cross and be reminded, how much does God love you? He loves you that much. That's how much he loves me. And so I'm just telling you that, that, that God is pleased with you because of the work of his son applied on your behalf. We've done nothing to earn it. And so he is not waiting for you to get your act together before he claims you. He claims you as his own. And then because you're his own, we desire to follow him more closely, right? For his glory and for our good. In the presence of all, he is declaring that he is pleased. You're, he's your, you are If you are in him, he is in you. You are his son, you are his daughter, and he loves you. That is what this picture of anointing the head with oil means for us. It's a picture of blessing. And I just want to dispel any sort of sense that you might have that that doesn't think that it's okay to think that way. Because I think oftentimes, we are well acquainted, right, with all the reasons why God wouldn't want to do that, right? You know your sin better than anyone else. You know all the things that would discredit you before God. But again, the hope of the gospel is this, that in our sin, he was faithful to us. It is his perfect keeping of the law that was applied to us, counted as our righteousness. His blood forgives our sin. We've done nothing to earn it. Nothing to earn it. And yet he is blessing. Remember this. You're his child. And he is at work. And he is proud to claim you as his own. Why? Because he loves you and he's doing everything that's needed to sanctify you and bring you to that place. You have but to respond to the invitation that he has openly offered. And that is kind of, I think, the the final point that we need to uh, see in all of this. It's this is that as much as we are about the abundance, the protection, the blessing, at the end of the day, the picture, the real picture, probably the most important picture, is that the table displays relationship. I chose to say it this way, an invitation to communion. We often think about communion as the Lord's Supper, which that's good, you know, the bread, the cup. We remember God's work on the cross. But communion also means kind of that, that intimate relationship, um, and then that, that, that fellowship together. I think that is a picture of what this table is. God is inviting us into relationship, into communion with him. And so much so that uh, our cup overflows. Like, can we even handle it? Like, do we even have enough capacity for this? And here's the reality is I think so many of us, we, we get so concerned or kind of think so much about what is on the table. But I just want to tell you the truth and the weight of of this passage is that it's not so much about what is on the table, but who is at the table with us. 
It's not just this table that's sort of sitting out there, but God is joining us at the table. There is a a communion and a relationship and a fellowship and intimacy that has happened. I mean, who do you invite to your table? I'll tell you who you're not inviting. You're not inviting that stranger. You're not inviting that enemy. You're inviting people that you care about, or at least that you want to know. And Jesus in this place, as he has prepared the table and he is sitting down with us and he is enjoying that together, it's a picture of relationship. It's a place of intimacy. And I just want to be super clear this morning is that this is an offer, it's an invitation that is made to any who would receive it. God has prepared a place. He has prepared a seat at the table. And he's asked all of us, do you want to sit at this table? Do you want to receive the blessing of of the, the like relationship with me. It's not about the spread that's on it. It's about who's at it. And he is inviting us into a life-giving, leading, blessing, loving, caring, protecting relationship with himself. And I'm just going to tell you right now that that is not the message that we are hearing. That's not the message that we are naturally inclined to receive But the truth is that God made a way for this through his son, Jesus Christ. We've sung about it already, right? We need to think often about this. That is why we are able to declare, as we've already declared in this service, that it is well with my soul because God is in relationship with us and he is present and he is working. He cares for us. And so that's kind of where we're at with this. If I could, if I could just kind of land it (laughs) <laughs> kind of land it here, is that I think, I think the biggest application that we can walk out of the room with this morning is maybe just a refreshed understanding of God's abundant relation, relational love for each of us. For us this week to kind of remember that and to take the time to sit with our maker and redeemer to enjoy who he is and the way that he's at work in us, to look for the ways that he is preparing this table and present in in the situations that we are encountering. This is the God, the host, that's invited us to this celebration. Let's respond with that uh, together. Let's pray. Our God, we are humbled by your rejoicing, God, your, um, as your word said, singing over us. Who are we, God, that you would regard us in such a way that, that you would respond to us in this way, uh, God, that you would invite us into this, this place, this type of relationship. God, if we're honest, we know the many ways, even this week, God, of why we do not deserve that. So Lord, I pray that in in understanding and being confronted with our own shortcomings, God, our own sin, that that would cause us to respond to you, love you all the more. God, because the more that we wrestle with that, we recognize that we don't deserve it. God, but you did it anyways. You did it out of the goodness of who you are. God's a picture of your grace. And so, Lord, help us. Help us to see and recognize the way that you are nourishing, God, that you are inviting us to the table. 
Help us to have this picture as well, not just as shepherd guiding us as dumb sheep, but Lord, as host inviting us to sit with you, to be with you as your son, as your daughter. Lord, as one that is loved and blessed by you. God, thank you that we can declare you as our God, God, as our father, as our friend. God, we give you praise for that. We declare that to be true this morning. We pray this in the name of your son, Jesus. Amen.